0: Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman, and I'm an attorney and owner of Grossman & Associates, a law firm in Newton, Massachusetts. And this is the podcast Inside Divorce. Today I'm speaking with Sammy Azuz, Managing Partner of Heritage Financial, and we'll be talking about financial planning and its implications to people on their financial futures.
1: Any, anybody who's a trusted advisor is a sounding board for their clients, and that's part expertise, part listening. And part maybe repurposing the conversation the right way.
0: So, good morning, Sammy. Good morning, Hindel. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Let's tell us a little about yourself.
1: So, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a man- one of the managing partners at Heritage Financial. We're an independent wealth management firm based in Westwood, Mass, about 30 employees. And we typically get very involved with the financial planning and portfolio management side for individual clients and families. Uh, we like to work with people who are serious about their finances. We help them build smart, cost-effective portfolios paired with detailed financial planning.
0: Oh, and your background, you're both an attorney and a divorce financial planner, I understand, right?
1: Yes, so I went to law school at the University of Maryland, passed the Maryland Bar, yes. and I'm a financial planner uh, and a, uh, a divorce financial analyst.
0: So what does that divorce financial analyst mean?
1: That uh, you know, can mean a lot of things, but in this instance, I think most of the time the way I use it is to help attorneys such as yourselves, to, to if you have a client who's going through the divorce process, help with the financial implications of that divorce, whether it's helping you directly or that, that client, understanding the, the financial statements, understanding the questions to ask, the things that they need to be concerned about as they start to trend towards building their own financial plan.
0: So that designation gives you a special perspective on divorcing families it's
1: helpful absolutely
0: yeah and that coupled with your financial background and orientation I imagine is very helpful to clients I like
1: to think so I think so too they tend to agree but not always
0: (laughs) I think so too so you mentioned your clients are individuals and couples and I'm wondering how you get couples both to participate in the process or what magic is there to get them to understand what's going on
1: sure yeah I mean it's an important question for the most part uh you're going to have a different level of engagement between the two spouses in terms of how interested they are in the topics and in the meetings and in the frequency of meetings and what type of topics they they want the the meetings to focus on. Uh, and that's usually uh, very uh, easy uh, to to navigate and manage. But then there are definitely clear cases where you have a spouse who's not really engaged in the the financial matters at all. And at that point, I do think it's it's helpful. To figure out ways that you can structure a level of engagement so that they're uh, aware of what's going on uh, for, for a variety of reasons.
0: And how, more what techniques do you use to structure the engagement to get the other spouse more uh, to participate more?
1: So sometimes we'll do uh, a meeting outside of the office, uh-huh. whether it's a dinner meeting or a meeting at their home that's gonna be half social and half catching up on the high level topics. Uh, sometimes we will focus. Sometimes we'll prioritize certain meetings that would be important to attend based on what is going on. Um, and
0: So you don't need both spouses at every meeting?
1: We generally would, would love to have it, sure. but if we, there's a, there is a revision of the financial plan, if we're going to talk about
0: uh, uh,
1: revising their estate plan, if we're going to look at different retirement planning scenarios, if they're going to move, if one of them is changing a job, if they have a kid or a grandkid being born... Uh, and th- th- it's it's going to be a little bit more involved than the average review and catch-up meeting, we, we would strongly encourage them to, to attend that one as well.
0: I see. So why is it important to have both spouses engaged?
1: You know, it's important for a variety of reasons. Uh, as you can imagine, financial matters can be pretty complex. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and uh, you're talking about money, and you're talking about a lot of uh, important decisions that can get very emotional. So to have both spouses engaged and aware of what is going on in the family's finances is extremely important from the you know worst case scenario. What if something happened to the spouse who was leading the financial decision making uh, and then the, the surviving spouse is left, not fully understanding what's in place, who to call, what's going on, what decisions they have to make going forward. Uh, two, there are going to be moments of financial stress, whether they are created by the the, the family's own situation or the markets in general. Um, that if you are not in touch with what your plan is and understanding what is going on in your portfolio and what um, you know, planning techniques you have in place, uh, you're likely to be uh, you know more stressed out during those difficult, mm-hmm. and challenging times than somebody who's been constantly in touch with mm-hmm. with what's going on and. A lot of times the biggest uh, challenge or threat to a client's financial plan or their investment proposal isn't something bad happening. It's the wrong reaction to something bad happening. Oh, interesting. And so if they, for example, if we're in the midst of a a pretty severe market decline like 2008, 2009, and... um, That client hasn't been coming in for regular meetings, hasn't developed a relationship with their planners, not really informed on the investment strategy, they may be much more likely to sell out at the exact wrong moment than someone who understands why they have the portfolio that they have, has been reassured that this is how we expect it to react, this is when we expect it to recover, please just stay the course. in general, it's very helpful for people to have regular meetings with their advisors for those types of, of, of situations.
0: Right. Everybody reacts to those financial um, challenges differently. So they, you have to actually build a very trusting relationship with your clients so that they, you can get them to stay the course, if that's what you're thinking they should do.
1: Absolutely. Staying the course is the, of utmost importance. And you can't really anticipate in advance how people will react to things like a bear market. Um, I remember in two, uh, 2008, 2009... I was envisioning clients who I thought would be very upset, very stressed out, completely laid back and said, you know, this is the way the world works. Really? I understand. You, then they are done that. Don't, you don't worry about me. You had prepared them well. And then I had clients who I thought, <laughs> you know, this is not going to be an issue at all. And they really needed much more uh, focus and attention. So you you can't. If you can't anticipate who those folks are in advance, you just definitely want to have regular meetings to build that level of trust and confidence in the financial picture.
0: Right. It's interesting to me, being a divorce attorney, how people come to money and money issues so differently. I have a case right now, for example, where um, you know the husband is making earning about seven hundred and fifty to one point five million a year, varying depending on happen from year to year but and the wife wasn't working for most of the marriage and she was in his view a spender and he was a saver um and you know they had a conflict about her accountability for the money that she was spending and you know he just even though there was Enough of it. He didn't like to spend it, in the ways that she wanted to spend it. So it was interesting. It's interesting conflict, of course, now in the divorce about the finger pointing that's going on and the things that were have accumulated, and the money that you know was spent. But everybody learns different attitudes toward money. It's so interesting to me because we don't get taught really a lot about money management. You don't. There's uh,
1: not a lot of financial literacy, uh, and so you know you're encountering these topics maybe for the first time. Uh, and it, it's important uh, with those meetings with your advisors, they tend to be very educational as well if you're working with the right folks. So yeah. you are picking up that financial literacy, that confidence as, as you're going along. Yeah. And, and that's the last example of why you uh, would like to be engaged in your finances as a, as a spouse in the event of divorce, Yeah. right? And I mean, now you're rebuilding your financial life and um, you know, to not have that baseline understanding of what has been going on, I'm sure you can attest to, leaves that spouse in a in a very difficult predicament.
0: Well, for a very practical reason, it's wonderful to have a planner involved with a couple before the divorce happens, because if I represent the person who doesn't know much about the family finances, then um, at least we can go to the planner and say, you know, what is there, what do you know, where are the accounts, how much is in there, and um, also then use the financial planner to help us divide the assets in the, in the best way, tax-wise and otherwise.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, it, it, you know, having a person in place, having a financial planner in place really helps the divorce process, I think.
1: And you're very proactive about that, just in terms of kind of helping the clients with stuff outside of the box.
0: Yeah, well, there's a lot of implications. Um, some are obvious and some aren't so obvious. You know, basis issues, tax implications, tax affecting assets, um, you know, whether a spouse should remain in the marital home or not, what the cash flow will look like, you know, those are all important implications of getting a divorce and then knowing how that how that would work. And the and the financial planner who's been working with the family is kind of in the best position and, and has the best skill to know how to ha- make that happen. So sometimes you're working with couples and you obviously wanna keep both of them engaged, but sometimes one of them is less engaged. Sure. Um, what kind of surprises, if any, have you had when you're working with couples about their different attitudes towards money or surprises that you've had during the conversations?
1: You know, they do tend to evolve over time, and it is interesting to see clients who are entering a different phase in life maybe have different ideas about what they want to do with the money next. So, you know, as you're building your uh, financial security and you're building this life together, the values do, more often than not with our clients, tend to be aligned. Obviously, there there are differences, but you're all working towards the same end goal. The conversations do become more complex as now you're contemplating what's going to happen with this money when it's no longer mine, i.e., you know, we're both gone. The next Uh, generation. The next generation. Mm -hmm. What kind of things do we want to do for the next generation? When do we want to do them? How do we want to do them? Do we want to protect the assets in case of divorce? Can you even do that? Do we want to start having people enjoy these things now? Do we want to... um, you know, focus on the grandchildren because maybe the children are okay, do we want to do more gifting versus, well, I don't know if we really want to be giving up those assets right now, can we structure something later? Those tend to be more open-ended uh, topics and a lot more room for discussion and give and take just in terms of the, the, uh, the best ideas. Uh, whereas a lot of the financial planning basics during your life, there tend to be clearer cut things you should do and you shouldn't do towards getting towards your end goal it does open up i feel a little bit later
0: the potential conflict about what to do with the money
1: yeah and conflict can be a strong word it's it is just there's no great answer to Uh, any of this uh. right what if you have a child who is doing very well financially and you have a child who is not but you always have had it in your mind that you need to treat them equally Right? What if that child, one child has kids, one does not? What if one's involved in the family business? What if one's not? What if one's married, one's not yet? I mean, there's all these permutations. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? And um, maybe it's a reflection of me. I feel like I can't tell people, well, this is exactly how you should do it because it's fair and it makes the most sense.
0: Right. Did you find that generally parents want to be fair with their kids? Adult Absolutely. Kid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the overarching theory is to be fair in some fashion. The
1: overarching theme is equality. If uh-huh. I had to pick uh-huh. an overarching theme, is yeah. definitely equality.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. There are people who actually have come lots of conversations with their ch- children about how to handle these things. Do you recommend that?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I find it's um, it's very comforting to the to the parents. Um, it's very eye-opening, but I, I recommend it if they're open to it. I mean, there, there's definitely people who don't want to share that level of financial detail with their children, yeah. which I can completely understand. But if you are contemplating it or thinking about it and you think it would be more informative to to start actually planning across generations too, to get their estate planner involved with your estate plan. Mm. Um, a lot of times we work with the clients of our children, uh, so that can be very beneficial It can, it can, even in very practical ways, it can eliminate the need for, you know, the 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 children think they need to start saving for their kids' college and are not aware that the parents have already taken care of it. Or the parents, you know, are thinking, we really need to start contributing to these college savings accounts, not knowing that the kids have done it, or that maybe the other set of parents are focused on it. And so having these conversations and understanding from the children who needs what, when and what they want you to do with things has been very, for the most part, reassuring for clients. I I can't recall a lot of situations Hmm. where it's been
0: counterproductive. I see. Well, it also, you know, when parents are open about money, then the children will be more open about money discussions too, so that money isn't a dirty word. Absolutely. Why is it that people are so afraid to talk about money? Uh, You know, there's... uh... I'm not
1: entirely sure. There's a lot of what I do know based on my career is there's a lot of emotions around surrounding money yeah. and investments and financial matters and it's not easy. I mean if it I guess frankly if it was easy there would be a lot less guys like me out there trying to help people with it. Yeah. Uh, so I just think it's it, it means so much in our current system it, just to be financially secure uh, that and there's a lot of the paths to, to, to get there can be pretty stressful if you are working alone or you're not entirely comfortable with all aspects of your finances yeah. you know you need to need to have a good career earn a living take those surplus savings put into this thing called the stock market this thing bounces around people don't fully understand why sometimes they read things about you know it's doing things that it's not supposed to Um, You know, you get uh, you get a lot of volatility surrounding this nest egg that you've built up and it can add a lot of stress to otherwise complicated lives.
0: Yeah, it's just there's a lot of secrecy about money. Right. People don't necessarily spouses don't tell spouses about money things. The parents don't tell children about money things. Children may not tell their parents. There's a lot of secrecy around it, there's, fortunately.
1: There is, definitely. I'd like to think that they're telling their financial planners about everything, yeah. but I, I'm not naive enough to think that there's nothing that we don't know about. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, you definitely see it uh, s- s- with spouses in certain situations, but much more with, with children and other family members. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. parents not telling children. Yes. Yeah. As for me, I be- I've been really open with my kids about money. Um, and also following through with things I say that I'm going to give to them, and I give it to them. Yeah. I've seen a lot of parents promise things that don't deliver, and it just builds a strange relationship about money This mistrust. Did you find that helpful with your kids? Yeah. Okay. Um, I did, and my daughter actually has an MBA in finance. And there you so, go. Yeah. So she, she apparently got some memo from me about talking about money.
1: She could be on a future podcast.
0: She could, yes. yes. I'll have to bring her up here. When did Baltimore. you start that
1: with them? How old were they?
0: Um... That's a good question. Don't really know. I mean, I've, you know, my daughter has an MBA in finance, but my son is a musician. So he has a whole other relationship with money. (laughs) So I, you know, to him, I think he's still a little uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah. Um, She's comfortable talking about it. And i probably when they were teenagers, I probably could have started earlier. But you're right, we're getting back to the financial literacy you mentioned before. There should be more, I don't know, more for that for kids
1: getting teenagers to do it based on my experience would be a stretch i have recommended to my 16 year old and my 12 year old hey you should read this book it'd be great yeah Eye roll uh and a lot of you know that stuff we'll get to it later so i don't know if you can get them engaged at that level but it it would be perfect if you could do it before they start getting into credit card trouble and stuff in college
0: yeah and just be mindful of spending relative to income (laughs) yes you know all the basics all the basics Yeah. yeah Let's shift topics just a little bit and talk about something we're calling getting stuff done, which in some ways relates to people who are not divorced, but also could relate to people who are divorced and, and reorganizing their lives. So what do you think on that topic?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's probably besides keeping people engaged and comfortable with their plans given whatever's going on in the market and in their lives, the the biggest value add that a detail-oriented planning firm can provide. There's a lot of things you need to get done. You may not be aware of all of them, but even if you're aware of all of them, are you getting them done? And just taking that checklist and meeting to meeting, getting your estate plan up to date, getting your tax prep done, getting your tax return reviewed, looking at your insurance coverages, home, auto, umbrella, looking at your life insurance coverage, reviewing those policies, you know, contributing to the right uh, accounts that you should be contributing, reviewing your benefits program at work to make sure you're taking advantage of all of it, and so forth and so on. Those are all things that you could probably pick up a few books and understand that you need to do maybe you don't understand how to do all of them but you're definitely not going to get it all done by yourself and there's a little bit of a coaching and an accountability uh, some of our clients call us pains in Ooh. the neck but i think they're not they i it's think they're saying it as a compliment yeah send the nicest uh, possible right way. yeah you send us our homework and you are constantly on top of us until it gets done uh, in fact we have we have one client we're literally in the process right now of sending a monthly reminder you have to do this. And he, at, at his, he's actually said, "He's you guys are a pain, but the quarterly pain is not enough. I, you need to send this to me at the beginning until of every the month. the client invited. And, yes, until it's literally done. And that's the thing. I mean, that's that's why taking on a new client is an incredible amount of work, but it's also extremely rewarding for that client because in that first year, that checklist is being built about things that they need to do that they may not have been aware of and it's actually getting accomplished and they feel i think much better about the process and how they're doing now that they've gone
0: through that. Well, I'm sure they feel great when it's over. Yes. <laughs> when they've actually reorganized their lives with your assistance, you know, looked at all the beneficiaries of their policies and made the changes they need to make and and reviewed everything with your assistance, probably feels great. It's like cleaning house. It's, you know, I
1: I I'd, I'd like to think so.
0: Good. Well, getting stuff done is a is a important part of my work too because you know we're helping clients reorganize their lives and i know what you mean about um you know the deed might be need to be put into someone else's name or a mortgage refinanced or beneficiaries changed or they, certainly the estate plan changed after a divorce so there's a lot of reorganizing that can be done but these become a part-time jobs for people absolutely and yes. so part of it is making the time to get that done and realizing it's important
1: Yeah. And to link the two topics together, if the disengaged spouse is the one who is now divorced and needing to rebuild their financial life, that checklist is probably something that they are not remotely aware of all the things that need to get done and have probably never been involved in in accomplishing those things. And they need
0: need a lot of help and and they they can get it. That's potentially a steep learning curve too. So there's another barrier to getting it done is it's not familiar absolutely to to these documents are not familiar the process is not familiar um and maybe they're not familiar with working with a planner
1: exactly yes yeah. and they maybe the family is at a planner but they don't have a good relationship with them because of you know their their lack of involvement or yeah. for other reasons
0: yeah i'm wondering if if, if uh, couples who have a planner involved would get divorced less often because they wouldn't have as many financial yeah. issues
1: I don't know. I haven't seen the stats on that. That'd be a good selling point. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. If I could find the stats on that, I'd see if compliance would let me put it on the website. Yeah. Well, Work with a planner and get divorced less often.
0: I don't even know how you'd track that. But anyway, it's a you good idea.
1: A, I can make the stat up you, you as long could. as I don't write it down. <laughs>
0: yeah. You could. It's a good theory, though, don't you think? I do. I mean, I, because people do sometimes divorce for financial reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: you would like to think that if you're working with a planner and you. Agree on a roadmap. There's no, there are no surprises. There's, there's less opportunity for massive disagreement.
0: Yeah. Plus, they're working together. Yeah. And uh, for their future goals, so it keeps them engaged together. And sometimes you can tell
1: that clients have talked about these things on their own, but sometimes, a lot of times, they're talking about it in the conference room with you for the first, first time. First time. Yes. And that's being able just to facilitate that conversation is probably a healthy thing yeah. that we can contribute.
0: Yeah. So you're part therapist too.
1: Definitely. A lot of times in bear markets, that's probably my entire job, but uh, <laughs> other times, yes, part therapists. Uh-huh. I, I think we all are. Any, anybody who's a trusted advisor is a sounding board for their clients, and that's part expertise, part listening, and part maybe repurposing the conversation the right way.
0: See, so you, who is your client then? If you have a couple, they're both your clients, right? Absolutely. Do you ever sense that there's a conflict in their positions?
1: I have not come across that uh-huh. yeah too too often. I, I would say and I only say too often because I, I don't remember every single situation in 16 years but no, I, I don't feel like there's a there's a conflict it, generally what you're trying to do is figure out a path that everybody's comfortable with mm-hmm. and it, you, you tend to either get there or keep thinking about it
0: mm-hmm. What makes Heritage Financial unique?
1: I think what's unique is that we really enjoy helping people with all the things that we just talked about. Uh-huh. So, essentially, all we do is work with individual clients and, and families. Uh, we don't uh, manage any other type of assets or have other types of relationships. Uh, financial planning is embedded in our DNA. Uh, there's a lot of talk about fiduciaries and you know, fee-based and uh, lower-cost portfolios that's that's nothing new to us we are we live and breathe that every single day and we try and develop very deep relationships with our clients and get them through all the things that we feel like they need to to get through um, and you know at the end of the day uh, our client retention rate is very strong uh, so hopefully that means it's it's working but I think it's the 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 passion and the the model that we have that's mm-hmm. client focused and friendly mm-hmm.
0: sounds like a Great service to your clients. So, Sammy, thanks for talking to me today on our podcast. How can clients or people contact you about your planning services or just to talk, meet you?
1: Sure, it's been fun. Thank you very much. The best way to get information about the firm is through our website, uh, HeritageFinancial.net. We've put a lot of fresh content there to try and explain our services uh, in plain English, uh, and which our industry is not always known for. Mm-hmm. And we have some very relevant case studies that would be helpful to a client. They can also sign up for our blog. Uh, they can connect with us uh, through the site. There's a way to reach out if they want to learn more about who we are and what we do. We typically meet with uh, prospective clients three to four times as part of a process that we do not charge for. And we build out a financial plan and a, an investment plan for them it's only at that point that they have to decide whether or not they want to work with us. So uh, we try and make that decision something that's going to be very well informed for them.
0: Oh, I see. Wonderful. I've read those case studies. I enjoy getting them. Good. Thank you. Yeah, they're really great. All right. Well, I've been speaking with Sammy Azuz, who's the managing partner of Heritage Financial. Uh, and uh, this has been Inside Divorce. And my name is Indel Grossman. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you. you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman and Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive and innovative legal professionals. Email me at Hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.